Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This time, but a flat circle, right? And we end up right back where we started. It's officially the offseason. And wow, what a performance this past Monday by the Kansas Jayhawks. The season is finished. The Jayhawks flame out in the second round. And there's going to be, there's a lot to talk about. Welcome to everybody. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. I am Jonas Nordman, humbly willing to to shepherd you back through what should be another long and grueling off season. So really interesting recording sitting here on this Thursday, March 25th, Kansas in this weird season, the coronavirus year played and lost on a Monday, which you generally don't see, of course, in a normal tournament, but it's given us a few days in between. I've of course had many thoughts, feelings, emotions over the last couple of days and then, of course, I sit right here, right humbly in front of this microphone, and sort of numb over it, sort of at a loss for what to say. Um, I, I sort of figured for today, I do have some notes, I do have some pages pulled up to reference, but for today's episode, it's kind of just going to be a, a stream of consciousness, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of thoughts, there's a lot to put fingers on there's not really fingers to be pointed I'm just gonna get, go with the flow there's a lot of things i want to get to and hopefully i do and hopefully i remember it but i would love for people's opinions to, to truly come in i know I, I plead with the audience each and every episode for engagement but you know this was a historic loss for kansas they lose in ignamus ignamious fashion pardon me but they lose 85 to 51 in a game that never even felt that close to USC. I mentioned the Trojans were a bad matchup last week, and it turned out to be the worst matchup possible. <laughs> but first, the business and the news. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Believe Podcast Network, your number one home or your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Um, I don't believe in my team right now. Well, I believe that they are finished. So 85-51, it was, of course, a full weekend, a full tournament weekend for the Jayhawks as they did sort of squeak by in their first-round game against Eastern Washington in two games that, to me, felt very similar. So the famous and the go-to Kansas fan trope is always, why does it always seem as though these random dudes and these guys have their career-high three-point shooting in the tournament against the Jayhawks. Usually, that's bluster. There's not much to that. It sort of just feels off. But this past weekend, that was exactly the case. USC, a team 
that is generally in the low mid 30s three-point shooting went off 11 of 18 61 percent as a team you had a number of players isaiah white and evan mobley or sorry isaiah mobley and isaiah white both with career highs not just season highs career games for three points made white going three of four isaiah mobley not the one that's going to go top three, top two in the NBA draft. Isaiah, the brother, going four of five from three-point range. The Groves brothers from Eastern Washington, Tanner and Jacob, career games. So, yes, this weekend, these two games, Kansas fans, you did see molten hot shooting in career games from the opponents. USC, look, you're just not going to win a game like that. Like there's on one one hand, I'm like, Kansas needs to fix something, right? This was just a really bad year. Kansas falls out of the rankings. Yes, the game against Iowa State gets postponed. You win that game. You stay in the rankings. But during the middle of the season, I think everyone would agree. You watch the team and you would say, this is not really a top 25 team. Yes, they rose to the occasion. They rose back up the rankings, had a few quality wins towards the end of the season, took advantage of a rusty Baylor team. And on the other hand, I'm thinking, what are you going to do? USC was sitting at like 70, it was like 68%, but let's call it 70% three-point shooting late in the second half. And it wasn't like they'd only taken five three-point attempts. They weren't sitting there like three of five, only a handful of shots. They go in, whatever. No, it was a healthy amount, and they were making everything. KU was demoralized. And the rest, you know, USC just steamrolled to the finish line. To finish at 61% on 18 attempts. So you're never going to win that game. But I do, and I guess this is the place to start since I've worked my way to it. Something needs to be said, and it's I'm almost thinking like the fool me once, you know, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, whatever it is. Stream of consciousness. I'm just rolling right now. The last three tournament losses for Kansas have been travesties and three-point blowouts. 2018, Villanova, final four game, sure. Tough matchup, Omari Spellman, a stretch five, who's now in the NBA, quality player, going up against a physically hampered Yudoka Azabuki. It happens. 18 of 40 from three-point range. Blew Kansas out of the water. That Villanova team, of course, went on to win the national championship. 2019 Auburn, 13 of 30 from three-point range. Again, a mediocre Kansas team. Clearly not going anywhere. The, the team that broke the conference streak, conference winning streak, blew KU out of the water. The results didn't look as bad when you look at the scoreline, but KU never had a chance. And then, uh, of course, what happened over this weekend with USC. Kansas, with their worst tournament loss in program history, the third worst loss period in program history. So that's three straight tournament games where Kansas gets pummeled from the three-point line, including a season here in 2020-2021 where there were a couple games where teams went off. It was the down period. It may have been an an anomaly 
excuse me, I should have slowed down on that. But I'm, again, I'm going. The Texas loss at home. Miraculously, Kansas's only home loss this year. And Fuego couldn't miss a three-point shot. They were wide open for the most part. Tennessee, a team that struggled all season to score, was draining everything from deep. And, of course, there was the Baylor game in Waco where Jared Butler went off for 30 points. And throw into the mix. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. I'm really mostly going off the top of the head right now. Uh, throw in the Eastern Washington game and what just happened with USC. That's a lot of three-point excellence against Kansas. So is it an anomaly? I don't know. All of last season, I spent most of it praising the defensive philosophy change for Kansas where they were icing the ball screen, right? Pushing everything to the side. So I think this leads me to my second point or the subcategory of my first point. There is no other coach I would want in college basketball. But what makes coaches great in any profession or any sport is the ability to adjust. Bill Self has shown the propensity to adjust. He's been playing four guards essentially for, what, four or five straight seasons now? Which, if you told us that, even in 2011, 10 years ago, we would have laughed you out of the building. <laughs> what? No, Bill Self will never get away from a two-big man system. High-low passing. It's what he does. Post-play. He's seeing the modern shift. He knows what's going on. I've hemmed and hawed all year long that I just don't get the rotations necessarily. But something really stuck out to me during his post-game press conference. And I don't have the quote in front of me again, but I, I remember the look on his face. He wasn't dejected. It was sort of just a look of understanding. And, you know, when you're sitting there in the midst of a 30, 35 to 40-point blowout, you have a lot of time to think on the bench. You sort of know what's going to happen. And his quote was along the lines of, you know, I think our guys played to the best of their abilities this year. Everyone played to the max of their potential. Which says to me, and I mean, to all of you, it's pretty clear what he's saying. He wasn't expecting that much from this roster, apparently. Or he sort of got the idea midway through. He, he knew what he had. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think there was a lot more from David McCormack, or there could have been a lot more consistency. Certainly in the beginning of the season, I thought Jalen Wilson fell off the cliff in conference play. I thought Ochai Abaji was inconsistent. I thought Christian Brown did, had a sophomore slump, I think is a good way to put it. Tristan Enaruna did not take the next step up to really unlock the potential of some of these lineups. And with that being said, I, I would be absolutely shocked. And there's already rumblings about uh, potential players coming in. I'd be shocked if we see the same roster, you know, except for like the recruits coming in next season. There will be changes. Will players leave? Perhaps. Uh, will players go to the NBA? Maybe. Maybe McCormack or Abaji test the NBA waters. But there's... There's a lot of rumblings about grad transfers, and it's going to be free agency in college basketball this offseason. And I think next year, Kansas needs to once again, much like they did with Isaiah Moss now two seasons ago, they need to unlock the perimeter. 
Bill Self can still play his game, but you need a three-point shot. You need a consistent three-point shot because Abaji and Brown and Wilson did not provide it this year. I already got myself off topic. I believe in Jayhawks basketball show. I was in the midst of saying, is there something Bill Self needs to adjust within his defensive philosophies to deal with the modern revolution and the modern boom of three-point shooting? Because from what I have understand, and I am not Mr. Analytics, and I do my best to understand when I watch a broadcast, when I see with my eyes, and I take what basketball experts are saying to me, and what they are being told by coaching staffs. Bill Self, for the longest time, has focused on, especially on ball screens or, or pick and rolls, you know, dealing with the ball handler, and then sort of scrambling and recovering for three-point shooters. Someone write in, tell me if that's wrong. But especially in the era of, you know, slow-paced, methodical basketball, Big Ten basketball, as he was brought up in when he was coaching at Illinois. Two big men bring the ball up. A little three-point shooting, yes, but not the high volume that we see now. That works. But at the moment, what we're seeing is a lot of wide-open shooters, a lot of opportunities for guys to get their career highs in threes. Statistical anomalies, yes. But it's getting to the point where there's maybe not necessarily, these aren't anomalies. These are consistently happening against Kansas and their defense, especially now in, in the tournament. Maybe it's just some really bad luck stretched out over four years. That doesn't seem likely. And it doesn't seem likely because the NCAA tournament is such a small sample size. At most, you're playing six games. And it's Different rosters, different players, even from year to year, the same players grow or get worse. Like it's different teams every year. I know coaches and philosophies and the way they approach games is the same for the most part. But four years of the same stuff or three seasons, because we didn't have the tournament last year, three straight losses in the tournament coupled in with the games I mentioned for this year. It feels like a trend. It really does. So I think Self needs to get in, tinker with the roster. And who am I to tell him what to do? But I feel like I've been pretty on point with, hey, the rotations aren't necessarily getting it done for KU this year. Hey, maybe just take a look at three-point defense. <laughs> Is that the worst thing to ask? Especially after a beatdown of epic proportions. So I mentioned the three-point shooting. I mentioned the rosters. There's just a couple of players I have to take a look at and sort of see where it all went wrong, right? First and foremost, Kansas went into the tournament essentially fighting with one hand tied behind their back, right? There was already roster limitations just in terms of ability, talent, the way they've been playing all season. And then, of course, David McCormack misses Big 12 tournament play. Jalen Wilson flies into Indianapolis the day of the USC game on Monday. No kid is going to be that effective. So, and they didn't even have Enaruna. He never made the trip because they never made the next round. But there were some players who 
had been there the entire time, had a full run of games, full practice, and I thought they just underwhelmed. Going into the USC game, I figured Evan Mobley is going to affect things, if not at least offensively, defensively. Elite shot blocker. And you could see all the times Kansas went into the lane. They saw Evan Mobley standing there, and they said, oh, nope, no thank you. And they skittered on back to the, per- to the perimeter. Which is kind of why I'm surprised I didn't just launch threes all game long. So I thought, I thought the Kansas first USC game was going to come down to the guard play. I thought McCormack could have some sort of impact. He didn't. He was probably winded. He looked exhausted. Only five points from McCormack in 22 minutes. But Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, and I'm throwing Bryce Thompson into this mix because he was inserted into the starting lineup. I was actually shocked to see that Abaji scored 18 points against Eastern Washington. Maybe it's because he shot 25% from three, but he just seemed non-existent in those two games. 18 against the Eags, the Eagles. Only eight points against USC. Christian Brown. I mean, he was in Indianapolis in body, but in spirit, five points against USC. 12, again, shocked to see that, 12 points against Eastern Washington. And then Bryce Thompson didn't even score against USC and only had three points against Eastern Washington himself. And it was really weird with Bryce Thompson. Someone either told him or he developed a self-confidence that he's a three-point spot-up shooter. Because that's, from what we have seen, that's not his game. He's a driver. He is the anti-analytics guy who's really good, actually, in the mid-range. Really good at driving and pulling up and hitting a mid-range shot from, like, the free-throw line or from the elbow or so. And yet, he was sort of resigned, or he just sat at the three-point line, spot-up shot. By the way, breaking news just came in. Uh, on my phone, I saw a minute ago. This is Big 12 news. Interesting stuff, but this affects the Big 12. I just got the notification from Bleacher Report that uh, from Oklahoma down to Norman, Lon Kruger, the legendary, I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. If he's not, maybe he should be. But Lon Kruger is going to retire for Oklahoma. So there's an open job in the Big 12 uh, for, for a program that's been really solid and constantly a thorn in the side of Kansas Athletics or Kansas basketball. So that would be interesting, the route that they go. If I may, actually. How about the Big 12? I know Kansas's performance was pathetic. It was almost sort of the, the cherry on top for the whole conference. After the round of 64, or up until the last game of the round of 64, wow, the Big 12, 6-0. What a conference, laughing at the Big 10 laughing at the ACC. And then, of course, Texas ruins everything. Thanks, Shaka Smart. And they get upset by the 14th seed, Abilene Christian. And then it just went to hell in a handbasket for the whole conference. And there's now only one team remaining in the Sweet 16 from this, what we thought was a very strong conference. And that's, of course, Baylor. 
the one seed in presumptive, likely national championship opponent for Gonzaga. So Kansas was the, the last game of the round of 32, the second round. And it was just less more of a cherry, more of a steaming pile of, well, you know what, on top of the Big 12's pie. Wrapped things up very well nicely for the conference. But Long Kruger is going to retire. Hopefully he does well. I saw a beautiful video. His son, Kevin Kruger, I think his name, Kevin Kruger, was just promoted to be the head coach at UNLV. So Lon Kruger perhaps taking the opportunity to spend more time with his family, more time with his grandchildren, and perhaps help his son as he moves into his next phase of his career. So congratulations to Lon Kruger, who is a K-State guy, but a lot of respect for that coach. Anyways, I I thought the Kansas guards were awful. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Jalen Wilson, it was told that he would get about maybe 10 to 15 minutes we didn't. We barely saw him. He did get nine minutes, which even I was surprised to see. I thought it'd be maybe like five to six for Wilson after after watching the game. Yeah, I'll do more roster breakdown, more player by player analysis in their seasons they just have. We have a little bit more time. We've got a long off season ahead of us. Again, November is <laughs> it's eight months away, so we can go player by player here pretty soon. And make our way through that. Lots going to happen between now and then. And I guess perhaps the best way to sort of wrap up this episode. And again, let me know your thoughts. Just let me know your thoughts on the season, the team, the game. I know the game thoughts are going to be, it was atrocious. And it was. But I want to stand up and give a round of applause for Marcus Garrett. Well, you know what? Still ended up with 15 points in this loss to USC. Tough part is he ended up with four personal fouls and had to sit out a bit as USC was really extending their lead. You know, there's a lot of divided thoughts on Marcus Garrett this past year. But his his perfect role, and we saw the beauty of his game uh, last season, of course, and he won National Defensive Player of the Year, which is amazing sort of the third fiddle. You had the two superstars in uh, Azabuki and Dotson. And then Marcus Garrett was the glue that held it all together and the straw that stirred the drink. This year, forced into more of a leadership, ball-dominant role. That's just not his game. Asked to be the best defensive player and the number one creator. And that's a lot, even for someone who knows the inside and the outs of the game as well as he does. Someone who's certainly willing. (laughs) That's just a a law for someone to deal with. He is not a go-to scorer, and we saw that. And it's not his fault. I I place the blame on the development of those around him. So congratulations on a fantastic career if he does not return. It was his senior season. He is allowed to come back if he wants, but I think... And by judging by his reactions and the way he was reflecting on his career in his post-game press conference, it, it appears as if we've seen the last of Marcus Garrett in the Kansas uniform. And with that being said, we turn to next season.
what does Kansas need? Uh, I really think the way they've just been gotten, you know, blown out in these tournament games. I think Kansas needs more consistent outside shooting. I really do. And the rumor mill is churning. The grad transfers are peeking around the corner saying, hey, what about me? Bill Self is taking a look at who's available saying, hey, you ever been to Lawrence? So we will see. I don't think the roster the roster is going to be a lot different next year. It really is. Kansas needs outside shooting. Kansas needs to guard the three-point line better. It's mathematically, like, there, it's there's no argument. Three is greater than two. That's an extra point. And that extra point put the hurt on Kansas over the weekend. All right. I don't know if that was enough fire and brimstone for you. I don't know if that was enough negative Nancy. Maybe it was too much of each. I don't know. Let me know. Jonas N310 on Instagram, Jonas290 on Twitter. Appreciate you listening throughout the season. Keep it locked in right here all off season long as we will delve into player reviews, uh, recruiting news. By the time I speak with you next Thursday, there's a really good chance that Kansas may have signed a new guard or who knows what. So enjoy the rest of the tournament. If you want, enjoy the start of baseball season. If that's your thing, uh, enjoy the springtime that is starting to bloom around us. Uh, again, appreciation for everybody. And I will leave you with a beleaguered, but an always optimistic rock chalk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.